Welcome to your weekend and welcome to a week seven edition of Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr, JB, along with you, previewing the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to SoFi Stadium. How you doing, my friend? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I hate those terrible towels. Hate in a good way, though. It's fun. That's old school football. I, I want to see those things like, you know, go fast and then slower and then slower and then go away. That'd be fun. Put them in your pocket. Absolutely. Fly home with them. Yes. You get to play the Pittsburgh Steelers in your day. It's pretty rare for the Rams to match up with this AFC oh. North opponents jb i got the the craziest funniest Steelers story of all time so we were here in, in la 94 then we moved to st louis jerome bettis was our bell cow right so for some reason he was in a contract dispute and his ankle went out in st louis he couldn't run couldn't practice couldn't do a lot of things so uh we let him go um he goes to Pittsburgh and becomes the bus overnight. And then we go there to play them again that, that same se- or the next season. He puts 200 yards on us, and it was just absolutely ridiculous. It was crazy. Our head coach, Rich Brooks, came at, at the time came out in this parka because it was kind of cold. Bill Cowher came out in a T-shirt you know, and led the team on the field. We knew then we had no shot. We had no shot to beat the Steelers. It was crazy, and they beat the hell out of us. Nuts. Uh, Jerome Bettis might have like gotten the call if the running back situation for the Rams had gone any deeper into the depth chart. Like, I think we're at the point where, Man. like, MJD and the bus were going to get uh, maybe a 10-day contract this would play be this it. week in the back. This would be it, we'll yeah. Get, we'll get into uh, Daryl Henderson's return and really what the Rams do with their rushing attack this week against the Steelers coming off by far their best running performance of the season in a second-half takeover of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I I like Zach Evans. I like his style. I like his size. I like the dimensions. I like the potential of him. Um, Who knows? We'll see what he's got to offer uh, if he plays a lot or how much he plays. the rookie out of TCU and Ole Miss who got his first taste late in last week's game. Oh, yeah, and he, he gave out some licks and took some too. But why am I sad? This is a victory week. Why do I feel like I've been gut punched? Because of the running backs? Is it that? Is it uh, Darion Kendrick? It might be Kendrick. Corner yeah. with his status in jeopardy, both legally and, and professionally for the moment. Hope yeah. we have some clarity on that soon. I guess that's the dark cloud that's, you know, kind of, you know, ruining my week. Is it the Pittsburgh Steelers against whom the Rams have lost four straight? The Steelers won the only game between these teams during the McVay era. That was back in 2019, a week 10 game. That was a pretty dim occasion as well. Cooper Cup had nothing, right? Cooper Cup had nothing. Yeah, nothing. That was the only full game that Cups played in his career without a catch. He had one other one. He got injured at Denver in 2018. You might remember that as a big Todd Gurley game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are the only two games in his entire NFL career in which he hasn't had multiple catches. I didn't go back and look. What happened in that game when Cooper Cup had zero? I know AD had one sack, right? Yeah, but his return to Pittsburgh. Uh, Dante Fowler got the early like scoop and score opportunity. Yeah. The Rams got a defensive touchdown, and then the offensive line disintegrated. Oh, that's right. Okay, I do remember Injuries that game. Injuries up front. Yeah, it showed up. It was ugly. Really yeah, yeah. sluggish offensive game. I do remember that. The Steelers, this uh, they played Steeler ball. They played AFC North ball, and it didn't work out for a West Coast football team. That's right. Yeah. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. Hey, the Rams are 3-3. Three and three. three games to go before their bye week. Two to go before the trade deadline which i think is significant and they wrap up a three-game homestand against the pittsburgh steelers this sunday in inglewood at sofi stadium hope you can join us there or in person this is an intriguing moment in the schedule and game for me demarco because yes a chance to get back above 500 a chance to climb 
the NFC playoff standings, which we'll talk about in this edition of Rams All Access. But it's an AFC opponents. It's not the most critical game, like compared to your home game against the Arizona Cardinals, a division opponent, or next week's trip to Dallas to face mm. an NFC wildcard team. Like the implications, not as strong. And yet, I, I get the sense that this is one of those games that we're going to look back on in December or January and point to as. It's kind of a pivot point in the Rams season. You know, I guess you, it's what do you call it? A market correction. Um, if you beat Pittsburgh and beating Pittsburgh is is big to me. I mean, this is a blue blood. If you beat no matter how Pittsburgh is playing, if you get past the Steelers, that's going to give you a lift a, as a player. Uh, but this could be a market correction for what happened in Cincinnati if you beat them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Why do you say that? That's one you should have had. So okay. this is kind of like the makeup game, and that could put you ahead, sort of. Is there something numbers-wise you're going to tell me? Literally, like, let me get to my notes. Oh, boy. Okay, <laughs> look at that. This game reminds me a bit of Monday Night Football at Cincinnati. I literally just wrote that Did down you really? before wow. our show. Wow. You go first. How come? Well, that thought out that's one you should have gotten. That's that's one that's going to stick in your craw. I mean, in December when we're doing playoff counts and all this type of stuff, you may point to that one and say, wow, that one, if you would have had that one, you would have been X, Y, and Z. But uh, this is another one. You get past Pittsburgh. Like I said, not only does it boost your confidence because it is the Steelers, uh, it will help you because you're above 500. It will help you because you can correct what you didn't get done in Cincinnati, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. That will help you there. Go ahead. I know you got something. Well, I want to know what some of those things are, first of all, specifically. But the parallels to me are these. A coach I really respect, a head coach I really respect. The Steelers have some good receivers, just like the Bengals did, but a quarterback who's been inconsistent at best in getting those receivers targets, Kenny Pickett. Now, with Kenny, it's a matter of experience and ability. Like He has an established what Joe Burrow has. With Burrow, it was, this guy's compromised. This guy's going to play on one leg. Yeah. Kind of the same. You know, Pickett's got a knee and a calf, and he's coming back. Yeah, yeah. So, And then there's a defense. Yeah. That has some statistical deficiencies that I think you can get after. However, <laughs> some legit pass rushers that make that a very high risk, high reward proposition. It's like the same game, just different jerseys. Yeah, they've got some edge guys, no doubt. Go you're, ahead. You're a movie guy. Yeah. You're a Star Wars guy. Big time. I'm thinking this morning of like Admiral Akbar mm. and it's a trap. It's a trap. Wait a minute. It it's can't a be trap. a trap. You know they're coming. You know what you are. But, and, and you're playing some of your best ball now. But I think yeah. when you look at the Steelers on film, just like McVay and the Rams probably did with the Bengals, they're thinking, oh, we can attack there. Yeah. We can win there. But can you pass protect and can you keep their rushers, especially on the edge, off of your quarterback and keep Matthew Stafford upright and healthy to play again next week? That's my... I think you can. I do. I, I think the offensive line. Have you play, watched Watt and Hightower? I have. They're, and they're and they're very good. They are. They're Jedi or Sith, depending on which yeah, way you want to go. Right, right. They're the bad guys, so they're Sith. But for as good as Watt is, he doesn't win every single rush. He is very crafty. He is smart. He's an eight sack guy. I believe he's at the top. Mm-hmm. He's the 
top sacker in the NFL right now with eight sacks. He is very crafty, very slippery, reminds me of Kevin Green. Knows when to turn it on, but he doesn't win every single pass rush rep. This is different. You'll have a chance against him. Same with the other guy. If you can run, and this is why I think the offensive line could take center stage here, and I wish Maurice was here because he could answer this better. He is a running back. Sometimes we give a lot of credit to the running back when there is a big rushing day instead of giving it to the bigs. So if the bigs take center stage and you can run the football with who knows who's running it for the Rams and keep them off balance, I think you can keep those edge guys off balance and off Matthew Stafford. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. We're previewing Steelers and Rams at SoFi Stadium in Week 7, but we're drawing a lot of parallels to a Week 3 Monday Night Football loss in Cincinnati. Here's another one before we, we, we close out this segment. How many points do you think you'll need to win this game? Well, what are the Steelers scoring? Less than 17? They are one of the worst offenses in the National Football If you get in the 20s. And if you back out the non-offensive touchdowns, it's even worse than their 15.8 points. You know, if you produce a offensive touchdown a quarter, you could win it. Just one per quarter. Now, that's low on what we think this offense can be with Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and and Matthew Stafford, and Sean McVay calling the signals. Uh, But if you produce one touchdown per corner, I think you can win this. I think you can win this by two scores, maybe, especially if you do exactly what you did and how you did it. Run the football, especially in the second half. Run the football against Pittsburgh. And they're okay against the run. They're okay. There's nothing they do spectacularly on defense yeah. except for kill your quarterback. Except for get after the passer. So if you keep that off balance, if you keep them from teeing off on your QB, you've got a shot to control the football. And one more thing. Let me give a shout out or let me yell at some Rams fans who are always complaining the Rams have no edge. Okay. The people that sell the seats are the ones that are ruining Byron Young's career because that kid gets off with crowd noise. He absolutely goes berserk. You saw it. You saw a different guy with crowd noise. Big impact play. His first big real sack of the NFL because of crowd noise, and he got a jump. So if you're selling your tickets, I don't want to hear crud about your edge rushing stuff ever again. I'll say the same thing. I think there was a reason why the pass protection for Stafford was so good and why the running results were so productive. Because you could get off the ball when you wanted to. You could manipulate that count when you wanted to. When you said go, that's when the play started. Yeah, it was fun. We were up in the booth and like, JB, what's that noise? Oh, that's Matthew Stafford. That's that's his voice. We can hear him. That's a turbo. (laughs) That's what he sounds like. Wow. Yeah. So look, yeah, we need more of that. I wish we had more of that. I wish we can guarantee, you know, every game was a sellout, but it is what it is. And you know, Pittsburgh is going to be in the house. So hopefully you can take advantage of that run the football, take the air out of them, and then get after them. I just think this game plan will be so illuminating because there have been fragments of the complete team that the Rams can become, yeah. especially on offense. And I would love to take that what 160 roughly rushing performance in the second half and build on it. But can they if it's Royce Freeman or Daryl Henderson, not Kyron Williams? I don't yeah. know. And so I think the temptation will be, hey, we don't, We don't trust, have full faith and confidence in our running back portfolio this week. Let's lean into our strengths. Let's let Stafford sling it. And you might have some opportunities to really attack this Pittsburgh secondary. I think that's there. My concern is I don't think you have to get a touchdown per quarter, like you said, to win this game. I think you can win this game 20 to 10 
or 21-3 or 24-17. You know what I mean? Yeah, And I so do. this is not a style points game for me. This is a recognizing that Pittsburgh's path to victory is to drag you out into the deep waters and hope that you sink and drown before they do. That's how they win. Well, that's AFC North Bowl, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And special teams is a huge part of that. But yeah, I mean, going, going back to the run game. You know, I'm curious. Daryl Henderson, I always liked him when he was here. Um, I, I would love to see what he looks like behind this offensive line. And I think that has been the biggest changeover that I love about this football team. You've gone from, how do I say this politely? Um, You've emphasized nasty over intelligence (laughs) on the O-line. I mean, when we saw Kevin Dodson throw a punch at a guy, I couldn't figure out why it was so shocking. I know why. We haven't seen it in a long time. The thing that we used to crow about on this offensive line was when we had a guy lock in an offsides penalty. Oh, that was so smart. No, it's different now. Mm. Now guys are getting knocked on their ass, and I love it. So I want to see what Daryl Henderson does with this style of offensive line if he gets a lot of carries. All right, let's hear from the head coach of the Rams next. His insightful perspective on this pass rush of Pittsburgh and how he plans to go about dissecting it. Why I think this is the worst offensive team the Rams have played, but could be a defense that keeps the same company as the 49ers and the Eagles. That's when we continue on this edition of Rams All Access to Marco Farr and JB along with you on this Friday night here on 710 ESPN. All right, we continue with this week seven edition of Rams All Access, the 3-3 Los Angeles Rams, playing host to the 3-2 Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm J.B. Long. We'll bring DeMarco Farr back in in just a moment, but let's hear from the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams with his survey of this Pittsburgh defense. They've always been such a high-level operation with Coach Tomlin's leadership, you know, and it always starts up front. And, you know, and you look at Watt and Highsmith off the edges, they've got excellent depth behind them. They can push the pocket interior-wise, and, and they do a great job of playing hard on all three levels, and, and they can do it in a variety of ways. And a lot of times when they're creating that pressure, it's just coming off of a four-man rush. Um, so we've got our work cut out for us, but uh, I think it's going to be incredibly important, like any week, but especially against an outfit like this, to be efficient on those early downs and um, not get into some of those situations where they can really pin their ears back and, and dictate the terms, uh, and that uh, that makes it really difficult against excellent players, great schemes, and uh, it'd be good. That's what you love. Your work, our work is certainly cut out for us. All right, so the head coach saying early down efficiency key this week more than ever to stay out of some of those gnarly predicaments against Watt and Highsmith. Oh, agreed. Uh, you know who didn't get enough love last week, and it's our fault? Coleman Shelton. The center played his butt off last week. Uh, He and Dodson and Steve Avila looked like a big dancing buffalo. He really did. Those combo blocks in the middle were everything to the Rams running game. I mean, getting to the second level, Uh, just absolutely dominating up front. So what I see from Pittsburgh is similar to what we just saw in Arizona. There's not a lot of world beaters up front. For the Steelers, I like Ogunjobi, good player. Uh, their nose tackle, I believe it's Adams, uh, tough dude, but he's a 300-pound nose tackle. Not the biggest dude in the world. So this is another defensive front where you should have success. So if those three guys from guard to guard are winning and getting to the second level, and you're running the football effectively off that, that will help your bookends. That will keep those Steelers edge rushers off of Matthew Stafford. They can't pin their ears back. The defense of Pittsburgh actually does struggle against the run. They're ranked 28th overall in that category, which is not shocking because without Cam Hayward, the Pro Bowl interior defensive lineman, like 
that matters. He's been out with a groin since the opener, might not return until November. And then Larry Ogunjobi, the other one you mentioned, been bothered by a foot injury. And it's not just that they've struggled, DeMarco, but I think the Rams can take some encouragement from the fact that the defense has struggled against two Kyle Shanahan-affiliated systems, the 49ers and the Texans. The Niners and the Texans very much in that McVay tree. Well, yeah. I mean, look, um, I I think... The Rams O-line has has started to turn on the physical just in the right time for a team like this. So Steelers defense dictates they're in your face and they're more physical than you. Okay, what happens if they're not? Then they go backwards in a hurry. Then they really don't have a lot of answers. If they can't put you in a situation to where it's third and long and they can get after you with their, their advantages, then they're an average defense that keeps backing up until you score on them. So as long as the Rams... Keep running the football like they ran it. Don't have any pre-snap penalties. Keep Matthew Stafford clean and off of play action. You should have your your fill of the playbook in the passing game by the second half if you can keep up running the football. It sounds like you're circling around the same word that's been on my mind this whole week, which is patience. What I loved about the way the Rams won in week six against the Cardinals is they took their time with it. Boy, were they ever frustrated to only get field goals in that first half. But they didn't come out chasing points in that third quarter. They called eight straight run plays, right? They were willing to play the long game, and I think that is essential to this week's game against the Steelers. Make sure every drive ends in a kick. If that kick is a punt, punt and play defense. Your defense has proven its ability to keep you in games, and I don't think the Steelers' offense is going to run away from you. When I look at the three games the Steelers have won, DeMarco, compared to the two blowout losses they've taken, Mm -hmm. it's stark. It's night and day. Cleveland, Las Vegas, Baltimore, their three wins. Three or more takeaways in each of those games. Four sacks or more in each of those games. Two defensive touchdowns and a block punt for a safety. They won those three games by a total of 16 points, and their offense had next to nothing to do with it. You see where I'm going oh, with yeah, this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Living off take. I see exactly where you're going with this. And their two blowout losses, one takeaway combined, three sacks combined. They're like my golf game. Uh, just one shot. I'm, I'm scrambling from here, but one shot puts me back on the green, and away we go. I lie. It's never like that. But that's, yeah, living off takeaways, it's a tough way to live. But uh, if you're opportunistic and you have an offense that's just giving you the football, then you're playing sealer football. But if you stay efficient, stay patient, like you said, you'll have a chance. Uh, that brings me to another point. Oh, Hold on. So, let me just oh, go ahead. plug it. Yeah. Punch out and and keep triple bogey out of the equation there you go see (laughs) you know what i'm talking about yeah i am so sick for puka nakua um walking around that stadium right it was a ram day it was awesome how many fans did you see with puka shells on a lot a lot they're back in like it like not since our high school days they were they were there i'm like oh my god if you would have caught that in the end zone that whole place would have exploded ah so guess what you have to wait a week so you owe your fan base, Puka. You need that touchdown, man. They were ready for you. They were there for you. They want to make you a star. There are some comments that are like, oh, I love having Cooper back, but now Puka's not getting the, the share that we used to love. It's like, well, hold on. He dropped the touchdown in the end zone. High degree of difficulty. Tyler Higby dropped the touchdown in the end zone. Yeah. So like, if they do their part, there's still plenty of buffet to go around. Everybody no can eat. They're, get, they're getting looks. Absolutely. You just got to bring that in. Oh, I was just so sick for him. They were ready. I mean, everywhere. Puka shell, puka shell, puka shells. I had to dig up the old eighth grade box. I think I still have you mine somewhere. I'm yeah, telling you. Right, right. I'm telling you. <laughs> Absolutely. It's be like a middle school dance at no SoFi doubt. Stadium. Let's get it go, on. Going back to the, awesome. uh, the 90s. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that defense because I know we focus 
focus predominantly on the offensive side of the football so far. Uh, I can't say enough about what Raheem Morris uh, has done with this defense, especially in some sudden change, bad field position predicaments. They held their ground against what was statistically a top 10 Cardinals offense coming into last week. They put together their third half shutout of the season. Yeah. A half without allowing any points. They did it in the second half at Seattle, the first half in Indy, and again in the second half against the Cardinals. Uh, Really impressive. Um, Just watching guys come along. You know, we spent a lot of time in this room talking about the others or talking about Aaron Donald. And I made the joke about who's the best left end, right end. It's always going to be Aaron Donald. I think that's starting to filter down into those meeting rooms because guys like Jonah Williams stepped up, got a sack. I mean, he's been playing strong against the run, and that's been great. Everyone loves a run thug. You need that. But at some point, that guy's got to straighten out and become a pass rush threat. He got a, he got a sack there. Uh, Kobe Turner has been a guy that's been progressing, getting better. Now, he, he had the hard roll. They're going to start you at nose tackle, leave you out there for nickel. Man, you want to talk about cardio. That's not easy. All while yeah. the Cardinals had plus 12 minutes in time of possession in that first half. That is not easy. you got to come hard down the hard road. He has been getting better. Uh, Aaron Donald continues to be Aaron. And how in the hell was that not a roughing the passer call? I, I didn't think you could spike quarterbacks on their heads. Honestly, it's the safest way to keep your body weight out of it is just put them in the spin cycle. Just throw them on the ground as right. hard as you can. There's no there's no rule against whiplashing them. No, but my gosh. I mean, but that was By a Wait, that was not a sack. That was a tackle for loss. No, that's a sack. No, that was deemed a design run. I talked to the um, the official scores booth, yeah. and the way that the Cardinals were pass blocking it, or were run blocking it, I beg your pardon, they couldn't give Aaron a sack. I dare you to say that to Aaron's face. That's what I said. I was yeah. like, good luck stepping in this stadium again. He might be waiting for you at the door. Raheem Morris should be the first guy in line that is an absolute sack. That was a message sender by Aaron Donald. That was tremendous. But... He wasn't the only guy we were talking about on game day. Byron Young was a problem for the Cardinals. So I think they have something here. Is it too early to say that? No, go ahead. I think they got something here. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But if you can draft a difference-making edge rusher, it's worth its weight in gold. If you can draft one of those guys at pick 77, all the more so in round three, especially because it's not lost on me. That was the pick the Rams got from Miami for the Jalen Ramsey trade. Wow. Okay. And a lot of people are like, that's all you can get for Jalen. And I get it. I get it. I really do. And we wish Jalen well in his recovery. It looks like he's going to be back sooner than later, which is awesome for him and the Dolphins. But if Byron Young becomes what comes back from Miami, in addition to Hunter Long, the tight end from that trade, the Rams will look like they were playing chess, not checkers. Uh, No doubt. I hope you can supplement that talent with crowd noise at home because he feeds off it. Uh, Look, he was the only edge rusher to track down Jalen Hurts so he's got speed going back to Seattle when he got his welcome to the NFL I thought he was okay against Cross and Adams up there then he played San Fran and he got the runaround sack you got a sack against San Francisco in 20 years no one's going to ask how you got it it's just going to say sack versus San Francisco but Trent Williams gave him a lesson he showed up against Cincinnati I thought that was phenomenal because he bounced back It kind of disappeared versus Indy, but everybody else did. But then, coming up big, the way he did versus Arizona, versus a pretty good tackle in DJ Humphreys. 
I mean, beat him inside, beat him outside. He's the pro bowler on that, f- that front Man, five yes, that's, he's been to the mountaintop. So to beat a guy like that, to watch him and, and progressively get better, that is encouraging for people that want to see good edge pressure out of the Rams. Can I ask you a technical question? Go ahead. Because the only bone to pick, I think, is he's got such good inside moves. We saw him do like the double chop that the temptation is to go inside and take the more direct path to the quarterback. And there have been some quarterbacks in recent weeks taking that soft edge. So what needs to happen if Byron's going to use that repertoire to go inside, what needs to happen to make sure the quarterback doesn't get out the side door? That's a funny question. So that would, you would ask that to Raheem Morris, then don't call that inside rush because he's got to be covered by a tackle. Now against faster quarterbacks, that tackle coming out to contain has no shot. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is just going to pull it down and run. He's going to outrun that guy. Dobbs did the same thing, but I would keep that going. It seems like Byron Young can turn left pretty good. He does, but yeah. I don't want to cut his his portfolio in half. I like yeah. what he's got. He's got two way rushes going on tackles. You got to cover him let's, with a let's, tackle. Let's make left tackles worry about that week yeah. in and week so out. So I would say this: the only thing I would say, if he's doing that on a one on one, he just takes the inside. Do that away from Aaron. Do that away from Aaron because Aaron is is out for his too. He's going for his pass rush. So if I'm you've thinking got, of the exact yeah. play you're talking about where yeah. he punctures the pocket, but so did Aaron, and they both arrive <laughs> at the front door, right. and Dobbs gets out to the Cardinals So side tell line. Kobe Turner, they told me when you've got a hot end, a guy that can win, hey, look, I'm coming inside, cover me, which means I'm going to take some smoke off my rush, let you win, and I'll contain the quarterback based on where he goes. And I'll collect anything that comes out this way. Right, but you've got to be a hell of a pass rush threat to request that of the next tackle because if you request that i can say hell no bro you're not winning i can't you know what i mean <laughs> right so I, I i'm picking up what you're putting down now yeah by has not yet earned the right to be like hey aaron throttle it down a little bit and cover me Aaron's exactly look at him and be like are you nuts <laughs> somebody come get this man <laughs> right absolutely yes you know what i'm coming from yeah all right second <laughs> half of rams all access on 710 espn is coming up we'll go four down territory and have our weekly playoff eliminator contest a lot still to get to as we preview steelers and rams from sofi stadium glad you're with us on this friday night 710 espn Welcome back to Rams All Access, a week seven edition as we preview the Rams and the Pittsburgh Steelers at SoFi Stadium this Sunday afternoon. We'll bring DeMarco far back into the mix momentarily, but it's time for our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Yes, it's four down territory with this week's guest, Brooke Pryor, who is ESPN's NFL reporter covering the Steelers, and we welcome her to the program for the first time. Brooke, I hope you had a good bye week. It was wonderful. Somehow less restful than an actual week, so I think I did it wrong. But I'm not complaining. It was still a great week. Okay, enjoyable over restful. That's fine. Uh, The Rams better get used to this pattern, though, because the Pittsburgh Steelers are one of four remaining opponents on their schedule who will be coming off their bye, including the next two, the Steelers and the Cowboys. So, Brooke, why don't we start there? First question for you on four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponents territory. What good did the bye week do the Pittsburgh Steelers in your estimation? You know, I think the biggest thing is that they got healthy. Um, They had uh, the the injuries from the beginning of the season were really starting to pile up. Not only, you know, Deontay Johnson uh, looks like he's coming back from IR. They opened up the 21-day practice window for him earlier this week, and he said that he expects to play on Sunday. He was very adamant that he's going to be playing against the Rams. But it's also getting guys like Pat Fryer moves back healthy. Dan Moore Jr., the left tackle, who looks like he will be returning to the starting lineup. Maybe some questions there if it should be Broderick Jones 
or Dan Moore, but the fact that he's healthy, um, I think the Steelers are just a little bit relieved now that they are close to having a full complement of, at least on the offensive side, full complement of, of receivers, tight ends. Everybody is available for Kenny Pickett. Brooke Pryor is our guest. She covers the Steelers for ESPN. And let's talk about Pickett. I know the bye week was good for his numbers and production last season. I'm sure Pittsburgh fans would like to believe the same thing is possible this year. Interestingly enough, you spoke with former Ram Kurt Warner this week about Pickett. What did you learn from that conversation? You know, I thought that Kurt Warner gave some really great perspective as someone who's been there, done that, and he had a much better second season, obviously, than the one that Kenny Pickett is having. But he said, you know, I'm not ready to write this guy off because he's shown that he can do it, that he can be a good NFL quarterback, make the reads, get his eyes in the right places, make the plays, be a good decision maker, all of those things. And he pointed to the preseason, and I asked him, I said, well, was it kind of fool's gold that he did it in the preseason And he said, not necessarily, yes, some guys are playing much better in the preseason than in the regular season, but it shows that they are capable of doing it. It's just about, it's just really up to the Steelers and this coaching staff to put Kenny Pickett in the right position to make those plays in the regular season. Um, But I, I did think it was interesting that he said the biggest thing that he sees that Kenny Pickett needs to get better at is just getting his eyes in the right place and, and making the reason, making the right decisions. And that's something that he hasn't been very good at early in the season. That is a little bit of a surprise because he was doing that in the preseason. Um, it's, it's led to some accuracy issues. It's led to his interceptions. Um, he's just not uh, above the neck making all of the right things, he's not doing everything to be a good quarterback and to replicate some of those uh, numbers that he had after the bye a year ago. Brooke Pryor is our guest. We are privileged to have some of her time on this busy week seven edition of Rams All Access. She covers the Pittsburgh Steelers for ESPN's NFL Nation and is our guest on Four Down Territory. I'm curious about the running game for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Brooke, because a lot of us, when we visualize the Steelers, we think of a downhill physical team that can run the football and punch it in the end zone. They're one of a couple of teams, Minnesota being the other, that actually has not rushed for a touchdown this year, I understand. What's going on there? It is really interesting, right? And I think that this is another thing that the Steelers hope the bye week will kind of bring the magic that it did last year, because that was the difference in the second half of the season a year ago is that Najee Harris really got going. And I think he only had 100-yard game, and it happened after the bye week. That's when the offensive line started to gel. It's when things just started to look better and move a little bit more seamlessly. And I think the thing that's happening right now is that their runs are feeling really predictable. And also because Kenny Pickett isn't getting going, then it's allowing defenses to really stack the box. And it's, it's just kind of this vicious cycle that keeps happening where when they can't get anything going on offense, even the areas that should be a strength are just getting completely shut down. Um, And I think they're also trying to work out the balance of workload between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren because they drafted Najee Harris in the first round a couple years ago to really be that, that every down bell cow back. But it, I think that he's really, they're leaning on him on first and second downs and then bringing Jalen Warren in on third downs. Sometimes that works. Sometimes that's the right recipe. Other times Najee Harris gets the hot hand and you want to leave him in. Other times Jalen Warren's better on first and second down. And so I think they're still trying to tweak and figure out what the right recipe is to get the most out of this run game. So uh, Najee Harris told me this week that uh, during the bye, he 
stayed back behind in Pittsburgh a little longer and met with uh, center Mason Cole, and they went over some plays that they think work well, work well with each other's tendencies and what they can do to really get on the right page. So I think the Steelers are hoping that that turns in to a better output from the run game starting this week. Brooke Pryor does a great job covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. We are getting a bit of her perspective as we count down to week seven here on Rams All Access. And our final question on four down territory, Brooke, has to do with the ferocious pass rush. And when I look at the three games that Pittsburgh's won compared to the two blowout losses they've taken, to me, what stands out is their takeaways their non-offensive production, their ability to wreak havoc in the opponent's backfield. And so I guess the question there is, is this Pittsburgh team capable of going on the road and getting a win if they don't get to Matthew Stafford, if they don't create multiple takeaways against the Rams this weekend? Well, it definitely makes it a lot harder because I think that the pass rush is a strength of this defense, um, especially because I don't think that the corners are playing up to the level that they hoped they would be. Um, Patrick Peterson, for as good as he has been earlier in his career, is just not the same player. And so I think if they're relying on the corners to create some of these turnovers and to limit the downfield throws, it's not going to be pretty. Um, and I think that they really they have to have a lot of production out of T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith to put pressure on Matt Stafford, uh, to me, one of the, the uh, something I don't I, under the radar might be a way to put it. Uh, but TJ Watt a week ago in the last game that he played, dislocated his finger and jammed it back in during the game and kept playing. And I talked with some of his teammates and coaches today about it. I said, did he say anything to you guys? Like, did he say that his finger was hurting or that he popped a dislocated finger back in? And Alex Highsmith was like, I mean, yeah, he, he said that his, his finger was bothering him a little bit, but I didn't know that he jammed it back in his hand and kept playing, but it's a very Watt brother thing to do. Uh, and I asked Terrell Austin, defensive coordinator, same thing. I said, do you expect that it's going to limit him? And, and did he say anything to you about it? And he laughed and said, no and no. So I think that uh, TJ Watt is going to be firing it all on all cylinders, even if he only has nine you know, fully healthy fingers. Well, at least they're intact, and the Steelers are healthy coming off their bye for this trip to San Francisco. Meantime, Matthew Stafford has not thrown a pick in back-to-back weeks. He's not gone three straight games without throwing an interception since joining the Rams. So that'll be his task against Watt, against Highsmith, and against the Steelers this weekend. Brooke, we sure do appreciate your time and your insight. Thanks for joining us on 4Down Territory. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, there he goes, Brooke Pryor from ESPN. We're coming back with DeMarco Farr. On Rams All Access, this is 710 ESPN. Fun Week 7 show here on Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr is back. Thanks to Brooke Pryor for joining us for our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Let's close out with a couple of things, DeMarco, including our weekly playoff eliminator contest. But first, how about the state of the NFC? Because Week 6 was really helpful for the Rams' playoff chances. They're actually in the framework now. They were the only NFC West team to win. I mean, how about the 49ers and the Eagles both taking their first loss Last week. Unbelievable. Can't the Rams take credit for the Eagles losing? They beat them up. Soften them up? Soften them up a little bit? I don't know, maybe. Uh, San Francisco clearly took the week off and got beat. It will probably never happen again, which is scary for the rest of us. Hmm. Here's what I see right now in the NFC. Lop off the top three teams, okay? They're all Mm -hmm. five and one. San Francisco, Philadelphia, Detroit. You good with putting them in a different category? Oh, yeah. 
Then can we trim the fat from the bottom as well? This is like our playoff eliminator contest mm-hmm. in some ways. The teams with four or more losses going into this weekend, Minnesota, Chicago, New York, Arizona, Carolina. Okay? Fair enough. So what's left in that middle tier of NFC contenders? Los Angeles and seven other foes. Guess what? The Rams are going to play five of those seven head-to-head before Christmas. Dallas? Yep. Who else? Seattle. Seattle again. Washington. Yep. Green Bay. All entirely winnable football games. Yeah, no super teams in that middle fat area. What do you call it? Middle stake? Just like the middle the middle team. The middle, the middle part middle of the stake. Like, okay. I think the Rams are one of eight teams that you would say are right there on the wild card yeah. bubble. And they're going to play five of the other seven head-to-head the rest of the way. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I think you're starting to come together as a football team. You know what you are, at least, and know what you have. Um, some of the young guys you were depending on have really showed up. Two guys in particular, Young and Avila. He's handled the left guard spot. Your right edge position is becoming a playmaker. So that's what we thought coming out of July. And here we are at three and three with those guys starting to look like they have a tremendous upside. So all that is out there for you if you're the Rams. Two former Steelers playing their uh, their mates this week. Akella Witherspoon, who's been superb. What a summer signing he's proven to be. And Dotson, who you just mentioned, savvy move by the front office to invest in interior offensive line depth after training camp when it looked like they had their offensive line picture pretty much assembled he's emerged as the best graded guard in the national football league now through three starts oh yeah if i was picking lottery numbers i would pick some form of 44 because man was he lucky on game day <laughs> That's the number that Akello wears. Oh, my Got God. Got beat a couple of times, oh. but it didn't cost him. <laughs> the first one where he just stuck his hand up and the ball hit it. Should've Even he dropped to his Brown. knees and said, thank you, God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. He also had a late pick six opportunity where he undercut yeah. the route and was right in his bread basket. He's, have, he's having a great year. Yeah. Okay. So real quickly, some games I'll have an eye on this weekend uh, because they impact the Rams fortune so much. Right now, the sixth seed, Seattle, three and two. Against the Arizona Cardinals. The Bengals beating the Seahawks in Cincinnati last week was part of that perfect week six picture for the Rams in which L.A. was the only NFC winner. Where, where's that game in Seattle? Is it in Seattle? In Seattle. In C- okay, I'll take Seattle. Okay, go ahead. Washington at 3-3. Three and three. Right now, they're the eight behind the Rams at New York. Now, the Giants gave the Bills way more than Buffalo wanted on Sunday night. In London, right? Uh, no, that was in oh, no, Orchard no. Park. In Orchard Park. Yep. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think this is a sneaky, significant game for L.A.'s chances because if the commanders can be taken below 500 Mm. at three and four, New York's got a long way to go, even though they're playing better. And then all the way down at the 11 spot here, Green Bay two and three at Denver. The Packers sub 500 going to Denver. The Packers have this trip to the lowly Broncos. We'll see if they have a pulse. Then a home game versus the struggling Vikings before the Rams visit Lambeau. So here's my point. They could go take a fourth loss at Denver yeah. and really be in, in some dark in trouble. times. Yeah. Or you go beat Peyton and Russell Wilson. You catch a soft Minnesota opponent. You got a little winning streak when the Rams come to town. Next thing you know, the Rams are going in there by looking at the Packers as a completely different threat. Well, I, I don't want to depend on the Denver Broncos for anything. At Nor this do point. I, but, yeah. I, but I'll take any favor they're willing to hand out. I think all the favors they have, they're going to need for themselves right now. I mean, when's the deadline? Uh, after week eight, after yeah. the Rams trip to Dallas. They're the Denver grocery store in two weeks. Yeah, bring your shopping bags. They're going to be hemorrhaging players very soon. 
All right, ready for playoff eliminator? Let's get it, yeah. All right, let's refresh our audience each week throughout this season. DeMarco Farr and I uh, may or may not draft a team that we think is cooked. They're finished. Put a fork in them, they're done. And over the course of the year, we collect teams that we think are going to miss January football. The more of those teams you have, the more eliminated teams you have, the more points you get, the better chance you have of winning. However, if you draft a team and that team rallies to make the playoffs, boom goes the dynamite, you're done. DeMarco, I want to point out to you that my teams all lost last week. (laughs) My teams have three wins combined. DeMarco, you have two three-win teams. You have two teams in Houston and Tampa Bay who are at or above 500. This is problematic, my friend. It's early. What did I tell you about Tampa Bay? Okay. What did I say to you about Tampa Bay? You're playing the long game with them. You're saying that the Buccaneers, having had an early bye, are going to fade and fade hard. They're going to get smashed down the stretch here. Okay, so DeMarco's got Houston and Tampa Bay, and then your good-looking teams are Chicago, New England, and Tennessee. None of those teams have more than two wins. Fair enough. I'm kind of low-key rooting for C.J. Stroud, though. I, I like that kid. I okay. really do. Yeah, yeah. But if you lose this game, but it's because the rookie quarterback for the Texans that'll be is that'll driving. be okay with me. But it just won't happen. Yeah. All right. I've got Arizona at one and five, Denver at one and five, the Giants at one and five, and Carolina still winless at zero and six. Here's why I bring that up. Okay. It's because it's my turn. I'm on the clock, so to speak. Yeah. And I told you last week I was leaning Minnesota, but I was going to sit on it for another week. And it turns out they did beat the Bears, and now they're hosting San Francisco, and I think they'll lose that game. But then they've got at Green Bay. I'm not ready yet. I, I think I'm just I'm gonna play this like I'm advising the Rams play Sunday's game cautiously, patiently. And if other teams, if other opponents like you are gonna jump up and draft yeah. plays or or teams that you want, so be it. I think you've got a, a couple grenades in your portfolio. I see you. It's like you're picking avocados. You're not it, ready to pick that one yet. Come it on. Is, it is. <laughs> I, can I tell you another team I'm considering? Go ahead. The Chargers. And I was ha! really banking on the Chargers to win Monday night's game against the Cowboys. That would have also helped the Rams' chances. Instead, Dallas goes into their bye with a road win. The Chargers now 2-3 and three at the Chiefs. Tempting. Yeah. But then they get the Bears and Jets, so I'm not ready to go there yet. Okay, so I think we're on the same page. And if I had to pick, it was going to either be the Chargers or the Raiders today. Las Vegas, 3-3. Three and three, Yeah. But they've got the Bears, a chance to go to 4-3. and three. But I think towards the end of the year, they're not going to beat Kansas City, either one of them. But I think the Chargers has the better roster of the two, or at least the better quarterback. I probably would lean towards the Raiders, but I'll save it. Okay. So yeah. You've got five teams. I've got four. Yeah, I'll save it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to blink. I'm not going to flinch. Look at you. Okay. So who, you better take that Minnesota while you got it. No. <laughs> and I, I think to be fair, I, I do forfeit the right to have next week's top pick. Okay. I think you get it. I think that's only right. Fair enough. Fair enough. If, if I don't make it to the podium in time. Yeah. The team behind you gets to jump up and draft okay. whoever you were going to put on that card. The day Tampa Bay is eliminated. I want to hear DeMarco's a genius. I will. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Right after Houston wins their division. <laughs> oh my God. Right. Wow. <laughs> Good times, my friend. Yes, sir. Looking forward to being with you at SoFi Stadium. And hope you can join us as well. Rams and Steelers, a chance to get above 500 before a trip to Dallas. Week 7 coming your way. Hope you'll join us either in person or live here on the air. 710 ESPN.